Well, I almost goofed up there. Hadn't quite gotten around to getting the recording going on the old local uh, computer, but here we are. A little bright, a little bit better. A little too much, Mike. I think we're good there. You know what? It's getting crazy up at work, but it's definitely Monday. This is definitely Monday night. This is definitely the Toronto Beer Podcast with me, your host, Chris Schreier. Why don't we listen to the dulcet tones of the Curry Brothers' pride of Gravenhurst, Ontario. Rob Curry, what do you say tonight? saying is check out the link to this record in the description it'll be there you know it will i am semi-reliable about that uh seriously such a cool album what a cool band really like what they're putting out anyway that since it's neither here nor there no that is exactly right here uh but that is not what we're here to discuss tonight no indeed tonight is the continuation the third week of what are we calling it uh Beaumont's Belgian Beer Month. Beaumont's Belgian Beer Month. It's catchy. It's catchy and it's catching. Catching on across the nation. All the kids are drinking their Belgian beers and appreciating their style. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, I was drinking some Saison this past weekend. If you follow the social media, you might have seen that. We had some muscles there. Saturday night. And uh, I used some Aveling Saison to cook those muscles up, then drank said Saison. What a combo. What a delight. Oh, man, that was a delightful meal. Man, it was good. So good. Uh, Tonight, we are going to drink a beer that I would discourage you from using in a pot of muscles. Not because I don't think it would necessarily work, but I think every drop of this beer should go directly into your face and down your throat. Oh, hey, babe. Hmm. I would have thought the kids were... Oh, no, the kids are reading to each other. That's right. Erica is free and clear to watch the Toronto Beer Podcast with her husband, Chris Schreier. Uh, What are we drinking tonight, kids? Oh, I promised this was coming. And there it is. This is none other than Rochefort 10, arguably technically called Trappist Rochefort 10, uh, from Abbe N. D. de Saint-Rémy uh, in Belgium. That's right, we are finally in Belgium with another Trappist-brewed beer, but this is in the style of a quad. This is a big, big beer. I'm going I'm to tell a story about it, but before we do that, I would be remiss if we didn't actually drink it. Man, I've been drinking a lot of beer out of bottles recently, and uh, that doesn't upset me. Let me get this set up for the camera. Oh, my golly. That is just about perfect. What a pour. 
So if you're watching the video, you can see this. If you are listening to the podcast, let me describe to you. This is a deep, dark walnut brown, uh, at least quite hazy, if not fully opaque, held up to a light. Yeah, I can't really see through it. It shows little touches of orangey red, but it is predominantly brown, which in actual fact, you don't run into as much in beer as you you might expect. Uh, typically, beers in this color range are going to show more red, uh, but this is very much just a brown beer. Uh, fascinating. Nice, big, foamy head. Soapy, we would say, this head. Uh, delightful. I poured it, If you again, if you're not watching, this is in a, a tulip again because, well, you got to got to pay your dues when you're drinking the Belgian beers, and these beers should be in a tulip. Incidentally, if you're wondering, tulip uh, glasses, you might call it a snifter. Some people might call it a snifter. Uh, this is a, uh, a glass shaped a little bit like a wine glass. Um, it's quite wide in the lower midsection. It narrows towards the top. And in the case of a tulip, it will flare just slightly uh, around the rim. This is important because what you create is a surface area bigger than the smelling area, which serves to concentrate somewhat the aromas of the beer so that when you stick your old schnozzle into that hole, you're getting a very focused picture of the beer. And when I focus on this picture, oh yeah, dates and figs and raisins, it's all dried, dark, jammy fruit. Some spices, uh, again, Belgian yeast we're going with here. Peppery, clovey, maybe a little clovey. Not all spicy, yeah. There's a grassy quality to it, unusually, but it's there if you go looking for it. Something maybe a little woody or a little leathery. There's a, it's it, that, that note. Um, it's not quite that musty tent canvas that I think of sometimes, but it's getting into that neighborhood. Um, yeah, little... I hesitate to use the word musty. It's not a funky beer, necessarily. Something about that, though. Chocolatey. There's some chocolate or some cocoa. Mm. <laughs> I accidentally got some head in my mustache without even actually drinking it. That's embarrassing. My mustache needs a trim. It's getting a little out of control. Just saying. Caramelly. Uh, or more like... Um, like toffee. It's like toffee-like, more than caramelly, more like toffee. Yeah, it's uh, not burnt sugar, caramelized sugar. Um, getting towards smoky, but the beer is not smoky. I'm not getting actual smoke out of this beer. Um, and, and in that, maybe a bit of candy sugar, possibly. It's possible. Anyway, I want to drink this now. It's a favorite, and I haven't had it in years. More's the shame. Certainly since pre-COVID at least, and actually significantly before that. Hmm. <laughs> mm. It's like putting on an old sweater. Oh. Oh, I always forget about the carbonation on this beer. 
delightful. Something about the aroma of this beer always makes me think it's going to be like just off still. Like lightly carbonated. It's quite the opposite. It's very carbonated, uh, prickly, almost foamy in your mouth a little kind of levels of carbonation on this beer. Which, by the way, if you've tuned in since the start of this, drinking Rochefort 10, a Trappist beer from Belgium in the quad style, as it's known. Okay, tastes. I mean, a lot of what we're smelling is showing back up on the palate. It's a very consistent beer. In interestingly, immediate impression is actually a bit of cocoa powder and those dark fruits. Yeah, ra raisiny and uh, dates, raisins and dates. It's, it's quite sweet. Um, but those are some of the less jammy, um, dark dried fruits in my mind compared to say like a prune, for instance. Um, still quite sweet. Dark fruity, a little jammy, maybe even a little bit of fig. Yeah, a bit of dried fig in there. The sweet note from that toffee shows ever so slightly at the beginning of the sip, and you notice it as you're moving the beer back in your mouth in, in the act of swallowing. Um, there is a really delightful, weighty, um, yeah, toffee-like, sugary quality uh, before you uh, swallow it. The finish is a little bit of that toffee, a significant amount of that dark dried fruit. Again, that that's where that like leathery, almost a little musty kind of um, thing comes in is towards the end. And then there's a nice alcoholic heat on the on the back end of the beer. It's quite it's warming. It's it's a warming beer. Uh, Mouthfeel, it's um, it's it's unusual in that it's a fairly um, maybe not quite into the heavy category of mouthfeel, but it's certainly on the heavier side of medium or the lighter side of heavy. It's got a lot of density uh, in the in the beer itself, but that carbonation uh, serves to really offset that significantly. So um, it, it, it has quite a, a sweet, heavy uh, weight to it, uh, but it isn't cloying on your 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 tongue uh, the way some some barley wines can get that way sometimes or, or for that matter some imperial stouts um, they tend to have a bit more of a hop thing going which helps uh, helps with that a bit whereas barley wines they have hops in them but it's not a key part of the process so you tend to get these almost syrupy kind of uh, beers because of the carbonation on this one uh, that that's not even on the on the radar oh so warming though like it's warming my chest up as I sit here and discuss it's interesting actually those yeast spices are still present but they almost step back a little bit in the flavor profile um, and yeah they're not quite getting into like generic pie spice territory but like a little all spicy a little peppery um, but not significant it's it's 
unlike in the triple where the yeast profile is like one of the major flavor things that you're, you're encountering um there are so many other things happening in this beer um it's not that it's not a notable aspect of the the flavor it's just there's so many other things it's just part of the the chorus if you like um not in a bad way in quite a nice way but uh compared to some other belgian styles of beer um you have to be a little more intentional to seek out that uh that yeast note in the in this one hmm yeah that is that is uh, exceptional is what it comes down to a word I've used a few times recently uh, and mean it no less now than I did then that this is a uh, this is a beer that if you're into beer um, I mean you definitely need to have tried it and it's a beer you should probably check in on every once in a while as a uh, sort of a measurement standard um, it doesn't change much those monks are real good at what they do uh, and this this beer stays pretty consistent um so you can use it uh to kind of just check in with yourself from time to time see what you notice this time that maybe wasn't as apparent last time can be an indication of how your your own personal sense of taste is changing um and also it's just it's a great benchmarking beer i would say this is the beer that all quads should be marked against but actually i, I don't think it is I think the beer that all quads should be marked against is like maybe like uh, St. Bernadette's 12 um, or Chimay Blue. Uh, Chimay Blue is better than Bernadette's, but uh, maybe not quite as good as this one. You don't want to make the benchmark one of the best ones because then how does anyone ever live up to that? You want the benchmark to be a good representation of the style. Um, one that there are other examples out there that you might arguably subjectively describe as better, uh, but uh, that aren't necessarily, um, yeah, what you would want to gauge every other beer against. I would say that's the case with this one. This is an exceptional example of the style, but maybe not the one you want to benchmark against. Just my opinion. Like I say, St. Bernadette's 12 or Chimay Blue, good spots to make some benchmarks. food with this one hey this is a it's a slow sip and thinking beer this is the kind of beer you're going to eat some cheese with late in the evening once the kids are in bed if you were insisting on eating something with it this is going to be something that's going to work well with a really slow either braised or roasted uh, bit of meat probably beef Ideally with some umami uh, coming from something. Uh, you can figure out how you want to get that in there. Um, even within that, the point is the beer is the, uh, the big deal. And that food is just there to add some interesting layers uh, for the beer to play off of. Um, this is not the beer supporting the food. This beer is a prima donna. Nothing, nothing will it support. It will be supported by others. It's delightful. It's complicated. Uh, it's warming. And uh, it is still my very favorite of the Belgian and Belgian style quads uh, for good reason. Now, you might ask me, well, Chris, you're claiming 
that this is the best of the Belgian quads. But have you had all the Belgian quads? I probably haven't had them all, but I've had a lot of them. And in fact, once at Volo, uh, they hosted a King of the Quads uh, tasting opportunity, which I was uh, able to attend. And I believe it was six beers. Now let me see if I can do this from memory. They would have been Rochefort 10, what we're drinking here. Uh, she made blue, without a doubt. Uh, Bernadette's 12, mentioned that one already. Uh, so that one was there. Was there a West Mall? Does West Mall do a quad you can get in Ontario? I can't recall. There was another Belgian. There was another Belgian. Oh, well, of course. There's one that I'm intentionally not saying, because uh, it's like the trump card. Um, what was the triple we did, the Dutch one? Why am I blanking on the name of that brewery? I'm pretty sure they have a quad and it was in it. And of course, um, West Veletron 12, which is their quad. West Veletron, um, some of the shine has worn off of that, uh, that particular enigma. But there was a time when a bottle uh, like this, this size bottle, this is uh, a 330 mil bottle. That's a European standard, uh, 330, not 341. Um, a 330 milliliter bottle of West Veletron 12 would set you back at a bar $45 for the single bottle, which is crazy. Um, I sold a few of those bottles myself. Uh, still feel a little bit bad about that. Uh, subsequently, the bar I was involved with at the time, Castro's Lounge, decided that rather than using the typical 30% alcohol cost markup uh, formula, uh, on on um, mine and a few other people's advice, set a fixed markup over a certain point. And what that meant was that our bottles of West Veletron went from being like $45 to being like $21. Uh, so less than half the prices of everyone else's. And uh, I'd say they flew off the shelves. They kind of did for a beer that costs $21 a bottle, which when you think about it is still exceptionally expensive, but because it was so much cheaper than everybody else who was selling them at that price, uh, we did move a fair amount of it. Anyway, point of the story is back to Volo and the King of the Quads. Uh, it was a blind tasting of, like I said, I think it was six quads, and uh, I did it. Uh, and blind uh, picked my top three, which were, in order, this, Richfort 10, Followed by West Veletron 12. Followed by Shime Blue. So there you go. Uh, and I, I, I mean, I haven't done it recently, but I probably, I assume I would probably still be in roughly the same boat. The Rochefort 10 is an interesting, complex thinker of a beer without getting into the realm of challenging. West Veletron 
maybe isn't challenging. It's also a very complex beer, but I feel like a lot of that complexity, a lot of those flavors kind of end up mixed together and it's kind of hard to pull it apart. So in that sense, it's a bit of a challenging beer. It's challenging to figure out what exactly it is you're tasting. It's delicious. It's a very tasty beer. But if you want to actually kind of deconstruct it in your mind, it just doesn't, it's not as willing to give up its secrets. Um, Rochefort 10 is willing to give them up if you go looking, but there's a lot of them. And you can spend a lot of time, like even as I've been sitting here smelling and drinking this while I've been talking, there's elements of cherry preserve or like cherry pie filling uh, to the beer. Although on that sip, I got a ton of um, cane sugar and toffee. As the beer warms, it changes. As it breathes and slightly oxidizes, and, and literally, this beer will oxidize rapidly enough that by the end of the glass, you'll be getting sherry notes out of it uh, because of the oxidization. It's, it's just, it's a journey every time you drink it, and it's worth it <laughs> every time you drink it. So that is, for me, the best of the Belgian quads. Um, I know we talked about it in a previous one. Quads tend to be quite dark, as this one is. They tend to be high alcohol, like north of 9%. This one, I believe, is 10 and change. Oh, <laughs> a lot of change. It's 11.3. Um, you will notice if you pick up a bottle of this, or if you're looking on the video screen, that is the mark that certifies it as authentic Trappist, which again means it's made in an active Trappist monastery, either directly by Trappist monks or with Trappist monks as their the direct um, uh, supervisors of the process. They can hire uh, non-Trappists to help with the brewing, but all of the proceeds of the brewery have to go to support the uh, uh, the the working life of the monastery, um, and. So yeah, this beer is made by Trappist monks, which, as we noted in the first uh, episode of Belmont's Belgian Beer Month, there are like a dozen or so of breweries uh, that make that claim, uh, which is more than when I got into beer. But when you consider that like that's just a decimal of a percent of, say, the breweries in North America, um, it's not that many. So it's pretty cool when you get an opportunity to have it. I don't know if this is available year-round at the LCBO. That is where I got this, was at the LCBO, at Queen and Coxwell, if you're curious. Um, not sure, like I say, if this is available uh, year-round or if this is one that came in on Christmas. The aisle that I picked it out of uh, was was thick with uh, Belgian beers. Golden Carolos uh, was in there. There was uh, the aforementioned St. Bernadette's. Um, Oh, uh, a style that it occurred to me wouldn't have been a bad idea to do uh, in the context of Belmont's Belgian Beer Month. Uh, not a Lambique, but um, why am I just blanking? I want to say Rochefort, not Rochefort, uh, Rodenbach, uh, which is a sour uh, uh, fermented beer. Uh, delightful, though, really nice stuff. They got some Rodenbach in there. Man, 
Christmas time is a great time to pick up wild and crazy European high alcohol beers at the LCBO. I would invite you to take a walk down the aisle at your local LCBO and see what they have, because there are plenty. But there is uh, this. There is also Shime Blue. There was a Shime I'd never seen before. There was also a Westmall I'd never seen before. It was like Westmall Extra. Never even heard of that one. Um, Anyway, there's a bunch of things out there, and uh, you can pick them up right now. You also, uh, and believe you me, the day will come in the not-too-distant future. They have the five-liter mini kegs of beer, and they have Chekvar. So obviously I'm going to need to get a mini keg of Chekvar at some point before Christmas. Because mini keg of Chekvar, it's like 30 bucks. I think my math is good on that. That's a pretty good price. Anyway, I won't bore you with my dreams and plans. Uh, just suffice to say, you can pick up Rochefort 10, the Blue Dot, also Blue Cap, uh, so easy to tell. Uh, the uh, 8, I believe, has a red cap and a red dot, and the 6 has a white cap and a white dot, if I recall correctly. Uh, this beer, incidentally, was one of the beers that got me into interesting beer. I would get bottles of it at Castro's Lounge uh, before I worked there. I was just a customer, incidentally, running a Bible study for three people uh, at uh, table uh, 101 or 102, if 101 was taken that night. Uh, and we would sit and order interesting beers and often have nacho fries and talk about God a little bit and then just sit around and talk about life. Funny enough, the manager of the bar at the time was a gentleman named Anthony who took an interest in us because he was, let's say, interested in my friend Liz. They now have three kids, and Anthony owns the bar. So, pat myself on the back. I didn't mean for that to happen, but it sure worked out well. Uh, but yeah, Roachfort 10, that was a... And Shime, uh, especially Blue, those are beers I was regularly getting bottles of and doing exactly this, just sitting, thinking about beer as I sipped them. Uh, back before I was a hazy hoppy boy, I was a Belgian chewy boy. <laughs> should should put that on a t-shirt. Uh, anyway, that's what we're drinking tonight. Tonight is the night, as they say. Uh, I'm going to have a sip of beer. I'm going to tell you about a couple of things. And tea is next week, because I already have next week's beer. And I'm excited. But before we tease that, now, last week I was trying to remember what American Thanksgiving meant. That is, by the way, this Thursday American Thanksgiving. I was right about Blackburn from uh, Left Fields. Hit that one out of the park. See what I did there? Left field. Baseball. So smart. Uh, the one that I was forgetting was not a stout, uh, in fact. It was that Great Lakes releases um, uh, um, uh, uh, octopus and Canuck? Jeez, you'd think I would have learned my lesson. Definitely octopus, at least, uh, as a New England-style um, interpretation. Celebrating American Thanksgiving, uh, New England, obviously, where the um, possibly third set of uh, European uh, colonialists landed, uh, depending on 
who you think got here first? It was definitely the Vikings. Uh, when we're talking about Europeans, because, of course, First Nations people were here way before. Um, Great Lakes is releasing uh, those American, uh, New England-style uh, interpretations of... No, it's... Uh, is it Simcoe? It might be Simcoe. It might be Octopus and Simcoe uh, that come out as as New England style. Pretty cool. They're really tasty. Definitely worth checking out. Uh, also had a message come across the uh, the bow, uh, uh, and I believe it is this weekend, is the uh, release of Calm Before the Storm, and then, of course, Amsterdam Tempest. The fantastic... Actually, I might have a bottle. One second. Uh, yeah. This is a 2021 Double Tempest bottle. Haven't opened that one yet. Wax capped. Proper. That's coming out this weekend, too, I think. Oh, yeah, the other thing I got that's not from Belgium, but I got in the LCBO, and I want to mention it fits with the whole uh, uh, Imperial Stout thing. Uh, Harveston Brewery's Ola Du is back. I know you want to say Ola Dub. That, that in Scott's Gaelic says Du. Ola du, and it means black oil. Um, this is a fantastic eight uh, percent um, uh, imperial stout, and it's aged in Highland Park whiskey barrels. I picked this one up at the LCBO. There, uh, I'm gonna have this at, at Christmas time. This is like a little little gift to myself. Just keeping it in the ice box till then. Anyway, like I say, lots of great options. Uh, lots and lots of great. Options. So those are all things happening uh, this weekend. Pick up some Blackburn, pick up some uh, New England style octopus, and it might be Simcoe. I think it's Simcoe, and uh, that's that's uh, Johnny Simcoe, by the way, the uh, the beer from Great Lakes and uh, Amsterdam Tempest. I think it's this weekend. Should message Ian. See, might be nice to swing down. They do a big release party down at uh, at Queen's Key. It's a ton of fun. Drink a lot of beer. They might have some El Jaguar still from uh, Cast Days, hmm. which I believe is Tempest with chili peppers. I will. I will message Ian maybe even as soon as I'm done here and see what's going on. Oh, yeah. Hey, you know what I mentioned? Sherry. Notes of Sherry coming out in this beer just as it breathes. Picking it up, getting a little oxidized. delightful if i left it longer it would become wet cardboard which is not as appealing a taste so i will endeavor to drink this before that happens um that's what's happening this weekend also it is american thanksgiving this thursday that is my marker some people say as soon as christmas or christmas as soon as uh, halloween is over it's time to decorate for christmas and get into the christmas spirit uh, I think that's too soon. I think you are succumbing to uh, societally enforced, capitalistically driven um, standards. They want you to start thinking about spending money. I have no time for that. Other folks say it's after Remembrance Day, that we should wait until Remembrance Day, because that's an important day in which we remember the sacrifice of people who served in various conflicts uh, to... Uh, allow us not to have to, basically. Uh, and that is an important day, uh, but neither do I think that that is the marker uh, for the start of the Christmas season. The thing is, uh, American Thanksgiving 
I think always, or at least almost always, is the Thursday before the weekend when the Christian calendar says that Advent starts. And Advent is the four weeks leading up to Christmas, which is historically and to modern day a time of preparation, spiritual preparation. Not We're not talking about uh, decorating trees and such, uh, but preparing yourself because Christmas is the probably second biggest uh, holiday in the Christian calendar after Easter. Uh, if you if you want to divide out Easter a little bit and say that Christmas is actually probably less important than both Palm Sunday and Black uh, or Good Friday, <laughs> Black Friday, <laughs> way down on the list, uh, Good Friday, uh, um, I would accept that. Uh, but the point is, it's still a high holiday and uh, high enough that we spend a month preparing ourselves spiritually for, uh, that, uh, that feast day. Uh, so arguably Advent, which is the kind of kickoff to the Christmas season starts on Sunday. I allow myself a few extra days, which is the day after, uh, American Thanksgiving often referred to as black Friday. That's when I allow myself to flip the switch and get into the Christmas mood. And for me, one of the big indicators, and it drives many people, and some of them beloved to me, uh, crazy, uh, that's when I start listening to the Christmas music. I, I put on CHFI, which is uh, all Christmas music all the time. Actually, that's not true. They do play some Hanukkah songs. Uh, so I guess seasonal music is probably the more appropriate way of putting it. Uh, but I, I stop turning on uh, CBC Radio 2 in the morning and start putting on CHFI to listen to the Christmas songs. And I tell you, some of them are awful, uh, both uh, lyrically and musically, uh, but a lot of them are delightful, and all of them serve to help me get myself into that Christmassy space. And then, you know, we'll start putting up some decks... We tend to be a little bit later getting our tree. Uh, we do get a live tree, but uh, often uh, around um, St. Nicholas Eve, that's the, uh, the, the often European and especially Dutch uh, tradition is to celebrate Saint the, the Feast of St. Nicholas, which is like around December 10th, I think. Um, but that's a good time to get the tree up. You get some time with it and not a ton of needles fall off because we are a, a, a real tree family now. We had a synthetic tree for many years and was never particularly happy with that. But once you have one, you really do need to use it until it's not really usable anymore. Then you get rid of that. But real trees, real trees are actually the environmentally uh, conscious choice compared to a synthetic tree uh, for a host of reasons we could get into. Uh, but I would just recommend you look it up yourself, do your own research and uh, discover the real tree. It's the way to go. Uh, so we get our real tree, often from Ikea. By the way, if you did not know, they haven't through COVID. I'm hoping they do it this year. Ikea typically does. I want to say it's it's like a twenty dollar tree. And uh, and when you buy it, you get a coupon that if you use it in January, you get $20 off your next purchase at Ikea. So it's like a free tree. Pretty good, if you ask me. That's what we'll be doing, assuming Ikea's back on the, uh, you know, regular times schedule. But that's all neither here nor there. Hey, I teased. I do have the beer for next week. It is from Belgium. And I purchased it not at the LCBO, but at 99 Bottles, the delightful bottle shop run by the people at Radical Road up on Kingston Road at uh, 
between Silver Birch and uh, and Willow. Um, and it's a wonderful shop. I would highly encourage you if you're in the East End, swing on by. Uh, they they uh, sell an array of Radical Road beers as well as a few imported beers and a significant uh uh, selection of uh, wines and spirits um, so wonderful spot and also um, as my friend Kevin said it's as if they the store they knew exactly what I wanted when I came in they sell Kozlik's mustard heartbeat hot sauce some sort of crisp or cracker or something he's into they do have some like pantry items as well really nice stuff so uh, check them out that's where I picked up this bottle Belgian I'm not going to say the style because that's going to be sort of the thrust of the next episode next Monday. That will be the 28th of November, if my math uh, held up well there. Until then, you have yourself a good week. Hey, drink some Belgian beer. None of that Stella. Don't screw around. If you want to drink what I'm drinking, this is, of course, Rochefort 10. Trepis Rochefort Dis from uh, Belgium, from Rochefort in Belgium, uh, available at the LCBO right now, a whole whack of really cool European beers are available for the festive season. So I would encourage you to swing by, pick up a few things, some interesting things, uh, maybe a thing or two for, uh, whatever your big night is, uh, in the, the festive season could be new year's could be one of the nights of Hanukkah, could be Christmas, whatever, whatever night is meaningful to you. Get yourself something nice and set it aside. Maybe even like, you know, a $5 bill in your coat pocket that you forget about. And then you'll come across it that day and go, aha, I'd forgotten. I'd bought myself this. What a delight. And you will enjoy that. Uh, other than that, check out, uh, as I said, a variety of interesting beers coming out, to, to in, in, uh, in time, I suppose we would say for uh, uh, Black Friday. Excited for all those, especially Blackburn, if I'm honest. Mm-mm-mm. That is such a good beer, man. That Rochefort Ten. Could drink it all night. Probably will. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm gonna wrap it up. Have a good night. Rob Curry's gonna take us out the way we always go out with Link Ray Gun. I believe that is the third track off of the EP, the record. We are the Curry Brothers. Link will be in the description. Check them out, please. Such a fantastic band, such a great album. And uh, just so thankful that Rob's so chillin' is like, yeah, use my song. Happy to have it out there. So get it in you, as I would say the kids say, but I think only I say that. But you have yourself a great night, and I will talk at you in one week's time. Bye.